We're talking with Slade Cleves, who is going to be coming to our area and playing for Paul Emery over at the Nevada Theater in Nevada City this coming Tuesday, March 29th. Uh, Slade, we're certainly looking forward to getting you back into town. Yeah, I haven't been on the West Coast in a long time. Looking forward to it myself. Well, you know, nobody's been anywhere for a long time, considering (laughs) the last couple of years. But you've been back here before. I've seen you at the Nevada Theater at least once, and I know you've played the Oddfellas Hall, and then you've played all around our area. So it's great to have you coming back. It's good to be back. And, you know, I was looking at your website. Are you working on new recordings, too? Indeed, yeah. That uh, My new picture on my website is a picture of the recording studio that we booked. Um, we only can book a few days at a time because post-pandemic, everybody's getting out there and doing recording their songs. So we had a hard time scheduling. We did a few days in February and we're doing a few days in April and hopefully we'll wrap it up in May. Where are you recording? The Legendary Zone Studio in Dripping Springs, the next town over from where I am. That's where uh, Ray Wally Hubbard does a lot of his recording. Do you have your new record flushed out, or are you just getting started? Well, we've only been in the studio three days, so we've got about seven songs, rough rough mixes on seven songs, and about seven songs and ready to go for the next uh, session, and we'll just uh, pick out the best ones. And Scrappy Judd is producing, and he's got a sequence ready, but I'm not even thinking album-wise. I mean, I've been saying this for years, but I think I really think I might just release singles for a while. You know, just, you know, Hank Williams never put out albums. He just put out singles every couple of months. So I'm going to, I might try that in the future. We'll see what happens. And then you can have the 24 great hits come out later on, right? Like Hank did. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) You got a title for your album? Well, I guess not. If it's not an album, you wouldn't even have a title. No, it's just a batch of songs. It's just a, it's just the songs that are ready to go right now. It's about 16 songs that are ready to go. You got some pandemic themed tunes in there? That definitely crept in some themes of uh, of uh, struggle and frustration and doubt and some themes of uh, sort of sticking together and trying to get it through to together. So, yeah, you'll see some of that pandemic in there for sure. What was the pandemic like for you and your wife, Karen? Uh, how'd you guys make out? Well, it started out just really mysterious, you know, just not knowing how long we'd have to put up with it. Karen had booked like the best year of touring that she'd ever done before in the late 2019, early 2020. You know, she had booked the whole year of 2020 out from all over the U.S. and was all ready to go. And you know, literally the first, the first batch of shows was in, I think, the second week of March. So literally just when the shutdowns were happening and we thought, oh, well, we'll cancel two or three weeks of shows and then we'll get back on the road. Of course, it was 22 months before we got back on the road. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was frustrating. It was scary at first. And we we're very lucky that we have enough of a fan base that supported us through merchandise sales and figured out how to do the live streams. It was pretty rocky at first, but we figured out those skills and our, our fans came through for us and kept the lights on for us throughout those 22 months. So I feel very fortunate that we, we came through uh, a lot better than some folks, that's for sure. How did you adjust to becoming a virtual performer as opposed to a live performer? <laughs> it's really tough, man. Uh, trying to connect with people looking into a camera lens and and trying to uh, monitor monitor the YouTube stream and the, the bit rate and the, all those little my computer over overheating, you know, with hard drive because <laughs> it was working so hard when I tried to do streaming at Facebook and YouTube at the same time. It was really hard on my CPU and it was maxing out and 
So yeah, it was some some technical stuff and some and some performance stuff that I had to learn. And of course, I only did it about once a month, so it took me a long time to to learn how to do it. I just just one did one a few days ago, and it went really well. So I'm thankful that we have that that avenue. Now that you have it all down, you have to go back out on the road and relearn how to play live. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We did. We did do one couple of weeks of touring in the fall last year and that that was i mean remembering all the words to my songs which are fairly wordy you may have noticed that was a challenge but also remembering what i talk about between songs that's like a whole nother set of things to memorize or prepare for and uh, i kind of forgot about that so i was i was pretty flustered on stage between songs like a pretty amateur for a couple of days there i've heard comedians talk about how hard it was to do a uh, comedy during the pandemic when you like you say you're just talking to a, a lens there a camera what was it like trying to perform and especially new songs and not getting the feedback that you would from a live audience that was tough um, not as tough as being a comedian i'm sure but um <laughs> you know you, you finish a song and there's dead silence you know? right. and and even on the even in the chat it takes about 15 seconds for the chat to to get to back back to me so i'm like hemming and hawing and talking and then bless their hearts you know people in the chat will will give the thumbs up and words of encouragement and little emoji claps and stuff like that so you know again i feel so lucky that i have a, a core following the super fans that uh really really lifted us up through the dark times we've known each other for gosh i don't know 25 years or so when how did you get started and when did that all when did you become what you would say a musician a traveling working musician um well that's hard to say i guess uh <laughs> there's so many different starting points there's when playing piano as a kid and listening to records and then playing in a garage band with my buddies in, in high school and then playing in a cover band in college and then being a busker later in college and then quitting the, my day job to start playing in bars in the, in the late 19 uh, late 1980s and then moving to austin in the early 90s and just kind of playing in Maine and Texas, my two home bases, and then starting to fill in the gaps in between on tours. Uh, that was in the early 90s, and I got a record deal in the mid-90s. So I guess around 1997 is when I got my first national record deal with Rounder Records, and they got me on radio stations around the country and, and gave me an opportunity to start traveling and uh, seeing this great country. You could teach a college class as a professor of how to become a folk musician. Yeah, you know, I, I would like to offer advice, and some people ask for advice, but, you know, I feel like a music career is like inventing the wheel, you know? It, it, there's so many variables as to your own uh, strengths and weaknesses, and, as the, and the music industry changes so rapidly. Uh, so a lot of the advice I would have offered for my career is kind of, obsolete now like i don't know just like i used to send postcards in the mail and lick stamps and send postcards to people in the mail things like that you know i built my career on the uh, dynamic of people hearing my song on a cool radio station and they drive to borders and buy the cd right then and then come see me at the show when i came to town so that that ecosystem doesn't really work anymore so yeah i'd love to, love to be able to offer some advice to people, but uh, like I said, it changes too fast <laughs> for me. 
Well, it seems like maybe that personal touch of signing the postcards and mailing them out is part of the reason why you were successful, though, because you kept that personal relationship with your audience going. Yeah, and and with radio, too. I mean, I was so thankful for the cool community radio stations like KVMR around the country. And there's, you know, there's a few dozen of them, but compared to the thousands of commercial stations, they're a rarity. Not every town has a cool radio station. But once I made a connection with them, I did send out personalized letters. I remember when Broke Down came out and uh, was released in, in January of 2000, 22 years ago. And I remember in the months leading up to that, writing a whole lot of personalized letters and, and recommending which songs, which DJ I thought would want to play. And, you know, when Broke Down came out, my, my world did change. I, I went from a, a, a money-losing hobby to a profession in the course of that year 2000. Well, we certainly are glad that you uh, hung in there and pursued it because the work that you've put out over the years has, well, it's just warmed our heart usually. And we always love getting to see you, especially when you're coming to the Nevada Theater this next Tuesday and you're bringing Scrappy Jed Newcomb with you. Yeah, he'll be swinging guitar and Karen will be swinging the merch. We've been talking with Slade Cleves. He's going to be at the Nevada Theater Tuesday, March 29th, uh, 7.30 show for Paul Emery. Always great to have you in our town, Slade. Always great to catch up with you, Felton.